What's up, guys? My name is Charlie Ungemalk. I am the founder and curator of the Gird Up Podcast. I'm super excited you're with us today. Uh, we have thousands of men listening all over the world, growing as men of God and growing as a kingdom of believers, and it's super exciting. You are joining a men's revival if you're listening to this, and I hope you understand just how big your impact is on the world and on your family and on the community around you. If you like the content you're getting here, make sure you're following us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We have a Facebook community as well that you can join. We're going to get some conversations going in there. We already have some conversations going in there. If you are a part of the Gird Up community, I encourage you to be active on there. Comment on stuff. Interact with the men around you and make sure that you are showing up for the kingdom of believers. If you feel the uh, encouragement or the call of the Spirit to support us financially, we need that help. (laughs) Frankly, we need the help. Um, We need to get this message out there and we need financial help to do that. So if you'd like to sponsor an episode of this podcast, contact me at the end. Uh, All the information you can get at the end of the podcast, um, we can get your advertisement on here. If you just want to donate money to the podcast, you can get either a reoccurring gift or a one-time gift on Patreon. You can find our Patreon account. Also, all that information is at the end of the podcast. Guys, I am so fired up for the gospel and so fired up for the kingdom of men and for the work uh, that's happening in our homes, in our communities. Um, we are preparing men for lives of Christian service, and uh, we're glad that you can be with us today. You're going to hear a quick advertisement. We're going to get into our podcast today. Happy Monday. Here we go. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a Ken and father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. Hi, my name is Charlie Ungemach. You're listening to Man Talk Monday on the Gird Up Podcast. Usually I have a co-host with me. Today I am flying solo. Um, and today we're going to talk about abortion. Now, abortion is something that's been in the news a lot lately. People have been talking about it. It's been a hot topic for a very, very long time, but it's t- uh, really taken the front and center of the stage recently because uh, the state of New York has approved the uh the legality of late-term abortion. Um, and uh, you'll hear the liberals make the argument that it's not, in fact, late-term abortion. It's actually uh, abortions later in pregnancy because technically a late-term abortion would be after the baby is born or after the expected due date, which is still... Um, anyway, they'll make an argument that, that uh, late-term abortion is a scare tactic, that the uh, idea of um, aborting a child that late is something that never happens. Well, Folks, the reality is it's now legal in the state of New York, and there's a lot of other places that are trying to get something like that in the works. There's a lot of other places that are trying to do the same thing. 
And if this is an issue that you're unaware of, you need to go and get yourself educated on it. And if you are a Christian and you are not enraged and sickened and saddened by this, actually, frankly, whether you're a Christian or not, if this is not something that wildly upsets you and makes you sick to your stomach and infuriates you, then you need to seriously consider what's going on here and you really need to look into what abortion is um, and the realities of the nation we live in at the moment, the fact that this is acceptable. Um, Oftentimes, um, abortions are politicized. Uh, You'll hear them advertised as women's rights or uh, part of reproductive health, and I think most Christians can see through that, Um, at least most biblical Christians who really truly believe the Word of God can see through that veneer. They can see um, that abortion is murder, uh, that it is a child in the womb, that it is uh, an independent life um, that is being taken. But what we fail to realize is that abortion itself um, while it is a problem, is only a symptom of greater problems, right? That's something we need to, we desperately need to understand, and it's a that's an idea we desperately need to grasp. This issue is far more than a celibacy, sex, um, abstinence issue. It's an identity crisis. Anytime we lose sight of who we are and what our purpose is, tragedy strikes. And that, that's regardless of the topic. Even if we weren't talking about abortion, that statement would still be true. When we lose sight of who we are, what we are, what our purpose is, tragedy is going to strike. And we can justify just about anything if we're selfish enough, right? If I plant myself at the center of my universe and everything revolves around me and my whole purpose in living is to be happy and to be free, then I can justify pretty much anything. Um, the best and most effective way to create social change is to start with children. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Frederick Douglass once said that uh, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Uh, if a strong a strong young person with a strong moral compass, uh, like, like the one a young Christian is going to have, is going to choose celibacy in a life of, of selfless service. And we are not often going to have the um, unwanted pregnancies or unexpected pregnancies or the sexual activity that we often see now in the uh, modern American world. And I say we often won't see that because nobody is perfect. Everybody does uh, have a sinful flesh and sinful desires and everybody uh, does make mistakes. And there are going to be while we are still on this earth and while we are sinful, there are going to be young Christians who make mistakes just like everybody else. There are going to be young Christians who cross that line and choose to sin just like everybody else. Uh, it's easy to hold up a sign, to repost an article online, um, to shout about it at a rally, which most people won't even do that. Um, but it's easy to do those things. And and, and uh, it, kudos to the people who are doing things about abortion, who are, who are actually going out and activists, uh, who are working with young mothers or young expectant mothers. Um, but we need to understand the basis and the foundation, the fundamental problem at the center of this issue. And we got to look all the way back to the beginning of time to do that. When Adam was created, he was put into the garden to work it and to take care of it. He, he had a job. It was to work it and to take care of it. Adam was in charge. He was responsible and he was accountable for the Garden of Eden and the things that happened in the Garden of Eden. And there was one rule in the Garden of Eden. And that rule was, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we sometimes scratch our heads and think when we think about this and say, why did God put that temptation right there? It's an act of worship. 
there was no evil in the world at this time. There was no temptation. There was no, um, there was no wickedness, no shame, no nothing, right? They were even in the garden and they were naked because they had no sin. They had no shame. They had no reason to be ashamed. They had no reason to hide. And so what the Lord God put the tree of life there so that they could live forever with him. And he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there so that they could uh, worship him and praise him by obeying him. You cannot show respect for authority if you do not recognize the authority and you cannot recognize the authority if you do not do what he says. So God puts the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right in the middle of the garden and says, you can glorify me by not eating from that tree. And that's how Adam and Eve worshiped. And when Eve was created, it's it's Adam's job to enforce this one rule. So when Eve was created, Eve is a helpmate or a helper for Adam. She not only is made from him, she's a, literally a derivative of his identity. A, she is taken, like his, his flesh is taken from him and used to create her, just as Adam was created in God's image, right? So now we have a, an order, right? We have a hierarchy. You've got God, man, and woman in the garden, um, but she's a part of his domain. She's a part of the garden, and it's his responsibility. And he's accountable for what she does and for what happens in the garden. So she's a part of that. He, she's another part of his domain. And so when the first sin happened, that very first sin was a vacation of masculine leadership. He vacated his position as a masculine leader. He left his post. He didn't show up. And the very fragile, perfect balance of the Garden of Eden the order of things as God had created them um, was irreversibly corrupted and it will never again go back to that perfect stage that it was once in. It will never go back to being perfect. It will never go back to the way it was in the garden. It will never be perfect again. Since that day of the first sin when Adam vacated his position as a man, every sin, every evil since then can be directly, every wickedness can be traced to a man's dereliction of duty. If you want to trace it all the way back to Adam, you can. But if you look at the sin around us in the world, every sin can be traced sooner or later back to a man's dereliction of duty. God says in Scripture that he is a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. And he wasn't kidding about that. The sins of our fathers directly impact us. Manhood is something that is learned Manhood is an act of imitation. And so when we see the perversion of sexuality in our modern world, when we see a sexual revolution, I prefer to call it the sexual epidemic, that surrounds us, we realize that it's a result of a perversion of masculinity and manhood. It's a perversion of something that was once perfect and holy and glorious in the Garden of Eden. And that's exactly why all of this sinfulness is happening. We know By nature, we innately know that we are created for something more and that we're supposed to be feeling something that we do not feel, that we are less than what we ought to be, that we're experiencing less than what we ought to experience, that there is something more out there. And this is that that is a conversation that's far longer that far more educated men need to have. And I would be glad to have that conversation on the podcast, and we have in some ways and in certain times. But the reality is that we are all looking for something that we can't find, something that has been lost, something that we cannot find on this earth. 
what we're looking for is the ecstasy, elation, intimacy, euphoria, whatever word you want to use. We're looking for that relationship with God, that perfect relationship with God and each other that we have lost. That feeling of being completely known and completely loved. That feeling of nakedness without shame. We will forever chase it and we will never find it while we are here on earth. And that is what the world is doing is they are chasing after that nakedness without shame. And it's not a certain segment of our population. It's not a certain group of people in our world. It's not a certain political party. It's not a specific uh, ideology or, or identity. It is, it's everyone. And it's not just our country. It's everyone around the world. Everyone is looking for it because everyone has, shares DNA with the Heavenly Father because we were created in His image. And since everyone, everyone has that DNA, they all know that we're falling drastically short of what we should be and they're seeking out what they have lost. I think a lot of times we get confused and angry, especially as, especially as people who um, have been living out Christi- our Christianity and people who have been striving to serve the Lord um, for our entire lives, which a lot, a lot of us have, um, as, as people who, from our viewpoint, as lifelong Christians. It, it's really hard for us to understand why other people aren't seeing the light and aren't, aren't getting this message, right? It's so obvious to most of us just how wrong abortion is. So why doesn't something change? Well, it's an easy out, is, is the reality. It's an easy out of, some, of, of sin and shame. Um, we need to understand that really what abortion is, is it's an ability to, it's an opportunity to get out of the consequences of my sin. It's, it's a way to act like sin doesn't matter. And it's really hard to let go of that because if we let go of, if we make abortions illegal, there's going to be a whole lot of people that have to let go of their sin. There's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to have to change their lifestyle. And there's going to be a whole lot of people facing embarrassment and public humiliation because they cannot go and hide the sin that they've committed. Um, There are a lot of political leaders. One in four women in the United States at some point in their life have an abortion. Think about that stat. One in four women in the United States have an abortion in their lifetime. Now, you can argue that that stat is skewed, but the reality is it's not an average stat. They didn't take an average to get that stat. One in four women in the United States will have an abortion in their lifetime. What that means is everybody, all political colors, um, all lifestyles, all religions, everybody is being affected by this. Everybody knows somebody that's had an abortion. Everybody has a life that's been impacted by abortion. And it's really, really, really hard to let that free pass go. Uh, when I was a kid in high school, uh, we had a we stole a pack of hall passes <laughs> from from the uh, library. There, we, we, we had a notepad of hall passes, and we would write each other passes. So when we wanted to go get out of the you know, study hall or get out of class or whatever, we would write passes for ourselves. 
And uh, at one point, somebody looked, you know, one of us in the group, it was just like four or five boys that would share this thing and pass it around. Somebody said, you know, this is wrong. We shouldn't do this. And we all agreed, <laughs> this is wrong. But we didn't give the, the, the pad back. We didn't like sneak it back into the library and hide it in the inner desk and act like it never happened. We kept that thing. I had it in my locker until the day I graduated because we didn't want to give that freedom back. We didn't want to give that free pass back. It's the same thing with abortion. We also need to understand that that's a top-to-bottom idea, right? It's not just the people at the top who are looking for a free pass and looking to get out. Um, I have the opportunity to serve at-risk children every single day and at-risk families every single day. 30% of all single mothers in the United States live under the poverty line. So they, they, they live in a situation where they cannot provide for their families adequately. And most single mothers are not a mother of one child. Most single mothers have multiple children. They are desperately fighting for survival, most of them. They're desperately fighting for survival. And if you, combine, if you combine that desperate fight for survival with a desperate fight to be loved, you start to understand the situation these young women find themselves in. They take risks sexually. They take risks in relationships to try and find what they're missing out on spiritually. And they're already in a situation where they're just fighting for survival financially. It becomes pretty easy to understand pretty quickly why it would be tempting to have an abortion. Anybody who's ever had to try and make ends meet at the end of the month understands the pressure and the fear and the embarrassment of not being able to buy groceries for yourself. Anybody who's ever had debt Crush, whether it's crushing debt or not, anyone who's ever owed anybody money understands that feeling of, of that squirmy, squeamish feeling of, of knowing you owe someone something. And anybody who's ever been on you know, welfare or food stamps understands extremely well just how hard it is to make ends meet. And it becomes really, really easy then to understand why young women turn to abortion. I can honestly say I have interacted with women who are single mothers, who have children who are already out of control, who choose to have an abortion. It makes sense. They don't see another way out. And frankly, there is no good way out. The only good way out, in quotation marks, is to take the child full term and, and adopt. And that takes a whole lot of humble pie to do that. And then you have to see this child that you brought into the world go off without you. And then there's having to face your current children every single day and still try and keep them going. The reality is we can't fight abortion simply by waving signs and shouting in streets. We can't fight abortion simply by posting about it on social media. The most important thing we can do, the single most important thing we will ever do, is to prepare the next generation to be better men than we are, to be a stronger generation of men than we are.
we do need to fight the legis- at, at the legislative level for the reversal of Roe v. Wade and, and making abortion illegal. We do need to actively work with expectant mothers and guide them to better other options than abortion. And we do need to educate people on the facts about s- abortion and the facts about sex and, and show what's really going on and what's really happening. But the most important aspect of all of this is the heart. We need the next generation of men to step meaningfully into their roles as men, meaning to have appropriate relationships with young women around them. They understand and protect their own sexual purity and the sexual purity of the girls around them. And they need to have strong role models to follow and mimic and emulate to do all of this. And most importantly, they need to have a relationship with the Lord. Because the only reason to change their understanding, the only light at the end of the tunnel is the light of Jesus' love. When I forget who I am as a redeemed child of God, I live in darkness. The world is darkened in their understanding. The only way to combat this effectively, the only way to truly end this, the only way to truly end this fight, is to raise up a generation of men. We need a revival of men. We need a new generation of men. So my question to you is, what are you doing about it? What can you do? What will you do to prepare the next generation of men? I get to go in my classroom every single day and look six and seven-year-olds in the eye and train them to be men of God. What can you do? Can you coach a baseball team or a football team? Can you lead a youth group at church? Can you mentor some boys? What can you do to raise up a generation of men? What are you doing in your own home, in your own family? How are you preparing your son to face the sexual temptation of this world? How are you preparing your son to interact with young women in the future? How are you treating your daughter? How are you loving your daughter? Are you teaching her what she should expect from her future husband? And what she should expect from the young men in her life? And are you equipping her to make the judgment call when the crap hits the fan and say, no, this is where my moral line is. This is where I stop. This is where I leave. This is where I get off the train because anything further than this is sin. Are you preparing the next generation? Are you making an impact? Or are you sitting by and watching? I hope you guys have a great week. Get fired up, man. We need more men. Share this podcast. Get out and read some books. Get educated on the issues of the world. And let's grow the kingdom of God. Get out there and do it, man. Gird up. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. 
And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.